pilot. Pilot? What's a pilot? Well, the way they pick TV shows is they make one show. That show's called a pilot. And they show that one show to the people who pick shows. And on the strength of that one show, they decide if they want to make more shows. Some get chosen and become television programs. Some don't. Become nothing. She started one of the ones that became nothing. I want to give a quick update to something I mentioned last week about how I am continuing with The Wire. I'm going to call this the flight that I'm on, right? I think you're, you're doing Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That was a flight that you've been on. And so uh, with The Wire, I just want to give a quick update that since we watched the pilot to discuss on our podcast here, I've continued with it and I just recently finished season three. So I'm very, very much enjoying the show. I feel like I really just clicked with it. I get it. And I'm going to continue at this pace and I'm excited to watch the last couple seasons and just be able to say I'm one of those TV viewers who've seen The Wire and loved it. It'll be a badge of honor for me. He has a Cuddy shirt on now, folks. Like he's a big fan of Cuddy. Who isn't a fan of Cuddy? We're all rooting for him. Right, right. I'm going to be uh, going to his gym to get some boxing lessons. I can't wait to hear what you think of season four. Because, yeah, like, uh, yeah, season three is when I started to really binge it for me. Like, I, I'm like, I have to know what I, I have to. I can't just watch an episode a day. I have to know what happens. And then it just it was the flight was off. Oh, exactly. The takeoff is uh, it takes a while to really get there. But once you do, then you're really glad that you're there for the ride. And also, I like that that third season. That's when Aiden Gillen, aka Littlefinger from Game of Thrones, that's when he appears. And I can't help but every single time he's in a scene, I think to myself of the line, "Chaos is a ladder." That must have been so funny for people who watched The Wire and then Game of Thrones, because right, yeah, that's true. Like, you could look at this guy going like, "Oh, this guy's American. He has a really good American accent." Right, he's very convincing. I've always believed that UK actors are much better at doing American accents than American actors are doing UK accents. And I think that's usually because UK actors are are usually more theatrically trained, maybe a little more trained in like Shakespeare, more classically trained, and uh, therefore able to be inhabiting a role better than, say, American actors who aren't as, you know, disciplined, uh, Uh, you know. I, just I, a theory. Just a theory. No, no. I think I think there's a. Uh, it plays a lot to it. I think like you know, every once in a while, like people always think like Peter Dinklage did a really good. Uh, Anne yeah, Hathaway, no, that, Anne Hathaway in. That's a rule um, of thumb, Pride right? Of, like Pride of Prejudice. I think was she in Pride? Of, no, that's. Uh, she was in one of those kind of movies, but she did a very good English accent as well. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Some some actors, some American actors are better than others, but typically you see a lot of uh, UK actors, whether they be. English, Irish, uh, Welsh. I think we mentioned, uh, you know, Ian McShane last week on Deadwood. He was very good at doing this uh, old Western accent. You would never have known that he's from the UK. I think the most, at least for us, I would, if you were to tell me that he was British, uh, Matthew Reese from the Americans. Yes. And then thick. he talks and that thick, thick Welsh accent. Absolutely. He's kind of hard to understand when he's speaking in his natural accent. That's so funny. You would never have known. But uh, just want to give, again, a quick update there with The Wire. So obviously that was a pilot that I saw and I uh, was inspired to continue with, which is one of the missions of 
what we're doing here. It's not just maybe to inspire other people to watch, but maybe as we continue along, we'll find more shows that we haven't watched that will go down thanks to discussing it for the purposes of this podcast. So getting into the subject of today, you know, I was thinking about how a lot of shows usually appeal to one sex more than the other. If you look a lot at audience compositions, most TV shows will be made up of more than one sex for its viewership than the other, right? Some tend to appeal more towards women, others more towards men. And it's actually less common for a show to be evenly split down the middle. And I think a show that we're a show that we're going to be discussing today definitely appeals, I think, more to men than to women. And that would be Entourage. Now, I think whether a show appeals more to men or to women, that could be by design. It can be just happenstance, but a lot of it has to do with the main characters, I think. And, you know, when you have a show of all male characters, that's going to appeal more to men just because they're going to find the show more relatable. And certainly, I think this show appeals to men, not just from having identifiable characters but also because this show kind of has a bit of a fantasy element going on here yes oh my god yes and i think that's also a big thing with male centric shows look at home improvement a show we discussed already that's kind of like a middle-aged man's fantasy of having three strapping young boys and a tv show about tools and you're constantly fixing things and your wife has a comedic rapport with you this show is like a young man's fantasy where you're living this glamorous life in LA in a mansion with your best friends and you're constantly having parties with young women. It's so idealized. And obviously this was a real life situation for the people that the characters are based on to an extent, I guess I can't say for sure, but obviously a lot of young guys can watch this show and maybe live a little vicariously through the characters. I think that's how I got into this. I, I, um, I ended up watching this in high school. I was doing one of those like summer programs in a hotel, like in Washington D.C. And you know, you're on break with something. You're in your hangout in your room, and all of a sudden, you know, it's a room with HBO. I don't, I don't think I had HBO at the time at my own house. And I'm like, what is this? And luckily, it was the seasons of, it was the episodes of Entourage that. Like there is a high point to this show. Whatever you thought of the pilot, there is a high point to this show. And I was like, what is this? Girls, weed, uh, hanging out with your brother. Like the, the biggest obstacle that Vince has at times is, is, your, is he not going to take the part? Like Vince doesn't want to do the role. Why doesn't he want to do the role? Vince is not being offered the role. And it really is like you're hanging – like you know when you look at your high school friends, you kind of – yeah, no, it's a male fantasy. Whether even if you're not Vince in the you're living like if your friend succeeds, you succeed. Yeah, I thought that was interesting that you have the main character Vince who is a successful actor to a degree, right? I just started watching the show and so I don't know if he's like super A-list or, you know, getting to that level, but It's a rise. It's right, a rise. He, he's on the rise as a new young hot actor, but his friends are, are along the ride with him. And I'm curious how common that is when you have this young actor who's getting very successful that his friends are really part of his career in a way. Like they're with him at 
movie premieres and press junkets and they're um going to be actually helping him with his business talking to his agent and and helping him with decisions on what roles to take uh that's interesting to me and i think that this is maybe the case for an actor like mark Wahlberg, who the show is kind of inspired by like him and his group of friends but i have to imagine if i'm a an agent in hollywood and I don't have to just appeal to my client, but also to my client's friends. That has to be kind of a headache. And that's also something that is touched on in this first episode, I imagine, through a lot of the series. It's it's funny. Because like, I definitely left this show. And I always, you know, you look back on it in some way. And it was a show that I kind of, during the, also, it was one of my pandemic rewatches. Just, I think it was on Amazon. This is like even before HBO Max was the thing or max what have you and i decided like to just revisit it and you know you go through the highs and lows of its storytelling uh but the thing that i found interesting a little bit more maybe 15 years older was the hollywood aspect just because okay what's the, the manager the agent the publicist like the dynamics whether it's true or not and it's probably true to some extent, but it's also heightened a little bit. But like just the negotiation for a role or a sequel or him doing an indie instead of another motion picture. Like I'm kind of happy because uh, when we go into the details of this, the pilot was supposed to be one thing. But HBO said, do not do it this way. And he went with the more like, why doesn't Vince want to do this role? Like this is the next step in his career. Uh, it's that's what I found interesting with it, and of course, with that you get the character Ari Gold, who played by Jeremy Piven, who I think actually walked away with at least two or three Emmy awards from this. Yeah, I could see that this is a character that's pretty much tailor made for Jeremy Piven and the type of comedy that he's known for. But the Hollywood aspect of it, I also think, is a big draw for the show. I think that the show or movie about the biz right anything that has to do with how hollywood and entertainment business works is always going to be appealing to viewers people like to see what goes on behind the curtain obviously especially in hollywood right like there's scenes where the actors are or sorry the characters are walking around studio lots and you know they're meeting other famous actors and you're kind of seeing parts of how movies come together that's all very interesting and We've seen that in other kinds of movies and TV shows, and viewers are always going to be interested in that, and there's always going to be a lot to say about how that process works. And we all want to be part of that world in some way, right? That's another thing, too, as the fantasy. A lot of people, even if they don't initially want to be in Hollywood or entertainment or something, it's always nice to maybe fantasize about what your role would be and you know, being a part of that very glamorous life. No, it's a, everything's a little bit heightened, but yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's not only a peek behind the curtain; it's a full-on invitation because, like, of course, you get other actors playing different characters. Like you got Malcolm McDowell playing another agent, um, but in one episode, I think that's favored heavily is Vince finds himself hanging out and doing bets with Dennis Hopper. Like that is like, oh, he just wounds up, and you know, uh. Dennis Hopper's like, hey, Aquaman. Like, it's just, it's very, it, I'm not going to say it takes a while, but 
when this show's at its high, it's just like, okay, it gets the best of both worlds. It's like it's uh, La La Landish. It's like what people love about Hollywood because there's nothing – this show does get not cynical. It, it, there's nothing – but this show has conflicts like in the later seasons. But this show is very um, – like everything's working out. We're having fun. Welcome to the party. Yeah, that was the impression I got from this first episode is low stakes – and it seems like this is an actor who's already made it. And so, you know, a lot of his problems are not going to be anything that maybe threatens his career in an existential way, right? He might have some minor rises and falls. But for the most part, I get a sense that this is a very light-toned show. And a lot of it's just going to really focus on the comedy. You're not going to really have – and this is my impression from watching just the first episode – you're not going to really have super serious dramatic moments. It really is about the antics of this entourage, this group of friends who have a very carefree life because it all revolves around the success of one of them who's made it in Hollywood and the rest of them can just kind of freeload in his mansion or, you know, at least do his bidding, right? Try to play some sort of part in his career, whether it's running his errands or you know, uh, giving him advice with no real expertise on how the industry works. I'll say this. Uh, it's the only show that I can think of that when the characters do start to develop, that's when uh, the cracks start to appear. It's the only show where you're like, it, it, when they're not, when they're having fun, there's some great television fun moments. But when, of course, the characters start to, de- like, they want, they, you know, they want to do jobs. They want to branch out on their own. And of course, like every show, you want a character to develop. But that's when the fun starts to, you know, they start to grow up. But it does affect the show in, a, in some ways. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think I, the, the initial mission of the show is just to have fun and kick back. It's like as a viewer, you're just hanging out with this group of friends. But a show can't stay in one place for too long it's it's only natural that if you're a serious tv showrunner you want things to develop because otherwise why are people going to keep coming back if the characters aren't really going anywhere there has to be something that brings you back and keeps you interested and uh so uh, the other fun thing too about the hollywood setting and this show i get a sense that there would be tons of cameos by real life actors just playing versions of themselves that's another thing that viewers just really love is a cameo and this is a show that definitely is a prime opportunity to get tons of those even in this very first episode so it's like a fun week to the camera and you never know who's gonna pop up that's part of the fun yeah it's really random and it's always like you know and you'll get names over the course of the series like uh i don't know if i want to spoil or any, any or if it's already known but like there's some high-powered directors, and of course, it's nice to see character actors playing like different roles. But yeah, no, a lot of actresses um, that Vince has had a relationship with, or you know, uh, AKA Mandy Moore, that that becomes a big plot line in uh, season two, uh, three. Okay, uh, but yeah, but it's well, it's kind of like Curb, right? Because in Curb Your Enthusiasm, there are also a lot of famous yes. people who play themselves, but that's more like. In Curb, it's comedians who will make cameos. And in this show, it's like, I don't know, more 
people known for acting, you know, maybe more people known as uh, more flashy actors making appearances. It's it's a different part of the entertainment business than where Curb Your Enthusiasm lies. Yeah, it's kind of it's not. Uh, I don't want to use the word rite of passage, but like it's just like oh. Hey, how you doing? I'm just walking like in um, a great another great episode when they go to Sundance. Peter Dinklage is just hanging out at the bar and he has like a scene, but it's always lived in like the characters that they create from Ari Gold to Vincent Chase. Like his name is on on the poster. It, he, it's a very lived in show. So if you're going to have a show in Hollywood, you can't really you can make up some actors, but you have to ha- like. The cameos is like a big draw. That's a big part of it. So I think you can go now into a little bit of the pilot history. Keith, you know this show a little bit better than I do. And by a little, I mean a lot better than I do. <laughs> so enough. Uh, I think you can take us through this one. Let us know a little bit about how this show came together. All right. So Entourage aired on Sunday, July 18th, 2004. Great summer show. Uh, and it uh, premiered to 1.89 million viewers. And uh, it will grow. I was going to say, isn't that kind of a drop from the previous pilots on HBO that we've seen? Yeah, I was kind of shocked that it was that low. But I've always always thought of this show as being like just in the zeitgeist of the 2000s. It is very 2000s in terms of its look. Oh, it's a time capsule show. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, you you think of Hollywood, you think of people who are very trendy – Definitely wearing whatever's the the big fad of the time, and so obviously also um, how they talk to one another. Right, right. Uh, the the humor, the culture, it's very much lived in that mid two thousands for better or for worse. Yes, um, it was created by Doug Ellen and directed by David Frankel, who we would come to know who directed Devil's Wears Prada and Hope Springs and Marley and Me. And this episode, another, it was nominated. For directing, losing out to the pilot of Desperate Housewives. Uh, so there's many reports of how this show was created from many different people. Like apparently it started with Wahlberg's assistant just saying, hey, could I film you guys? You guys are great. And, you know, all of his friends, E is based on uh, like uh, his best friend and his manager. Uh, I always thought Johnny Drama was based on his brother donnie who is like a uh, well-known character actor um but it's based on their cousin johnny drama alves who i guess i didn't know i found this out that he's the guy who created Wahlburgers. oh okay I, I mean i also had read that donnie Wahlberg basically had the cousin there um johnny drama be part of mark Wahlberg's group just to keep mark out of trouble yeah, yeah, we'll get it. Like Mark Wahlberg, uh, of course, is based on uh, uh, Vinny Chase is based on Mark Wahlberg, and Mark Wahlberg during the '90s was at least in the early '90s. You know, I think he while Donnie was doing New Kids on the Block, Mark had his rap thing, and he was a not a bit of a troublemaker. He was an asshole, like well, you know, he, Marky Mark, some, right? Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, but he also got into his fair share of uh, crime. I don't like. Whether we need to relitigate it, like it's, we don't have to go it, through it, but we don't have to go through it. But he was, uh, and you know, he he starred in movies like I, there's a teen movie that he starred in. Of course, he did star in one of my favorite movies of all time, Boogie Nights. And then you know he started you know Planet of the Apes. Da, da, da. He, he became Mark Wahlberg. He became a household name from in The Departed. He got nominated, right? Yeah. Um, 
And now he's actually like, not only is he known for like working out at 3 a.m., he's a highly religious man. It's kind of amazing what can happen in 20 years. He's gone he, through he's, a lot of evolutions, to say yes. the least. But uh, R.E. Gold is based on R.E. Emanuel, the famous agent. And I think there's a lot to draw from that. Like, uh, like R.E. Emanuel is, uh, I heard he was a loudmouth. His brother was the mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel. So they've always had that. They've always been upper echelon. And Turtle was based on his friend, Donnie Carroll, and who he claims came up with the idea for the show. Yeah, you see, I think it's very, I don't know, I, I could see how that it, it's indicative of the show, basically, and the characters, that everyone in Mark Wahlberg's circle would take credit for the show, because all the characters you see on the show seem like that type of person that would, for their own clout, take credit for things that they didn't think of themselves, right? And so we might not ever truly know, not that I, I need to know. It came from one of them. They have their antics, and that is how this show came to be capturing and inspired by these guys and you know their sense of humor and their personalities. But yeah, that, watching this, I get a sense that uh, yeah, these are guys who are going to inflate themselves as much as they can. Yeah, and I'm sure the like with that idea they were gonna try to maybe I guess they had the idea of maybe doing a documentary or at least documentary style probably in the version of like Veep or something like that uh, if they wanted to do a comedy. But yeah, but I think I think, I think a documentary would have come off as just home movies. It's like it, it might even kind of been like Jackass in a way. It's like oh we're all friends and look at all the crazy stuff we do, right? It just that would have been a little I don't know frivolous. And also because of Mar uh, Mark Wahlberg's like past uh, crimes, I guess like you know it, they decided to keep it more lighthearted and actually make it more like a sitcom-based show on HBO, kind of in the vein as uh, Sex and I bet they use Sex in the City as a model in some way. Yeah, I was actually imagining how the pitch for the show would have gone, and someone saying like, you know, you have you have Sex in the City for the ladies. Well, here's something for the fellas. Yeah, yeah, basically, and uh. David Frankel was actually a little bit concerned about the the show to begin with. He's uh, Jerry Ferreira, who played Turtle, was too young. He thought Kevin Dillon was too old to play Johnny Drama, and Grenier might be too unlikable to play Vinny Chase. And of course, you got Kevin Connolly, who, like Sarah Jessica Parker, he was a bit ambivalent about doing the pilot. Now Connolly, at this point, was probably the bigger star because he I, I he was a child star and he was known. I don't know what they called it, but he was part of the group that toby mcguire and leonardo dicaprio they're really good friends oh like that group that would go to uh what was it like the basketball the games and all those like what was that big club in la where all the young people went in the 90s like the viper club or something or the viper, the viper room? room the viper room right was he part of that clique that would go there it was this very um uh i think that was even older that that was like a that was joaquin not joaquin but that was like river phoenix and all that but i know right Kevin very Connelly exclusive would... very exclusive uh, circle in within Hollywood, right? This this very uh, exclusive social group. I think that's why Kevin Connolly is the first build because he is the the bigger star of the guys. But I think what made it click was whatever you think about the show. These guys got chemistry. These guys act like they've been friends for since high school. Yeah, yeah, I get that, and. They're very broy, right? I mean, these guys seem like oh, yeah. they come from a fraternity or something. That's what, yeah. Like you'll get that right away. And uh, 
So I, I, I imagine Doug Allen had many ideas for the, what this pilot could be. And the first draft was about the movie premiere and no one like no one had the guts to tell Vince that they didn't like it. But HBO execs rejected it and they told him to make it a little bit more upbeat. And that's how we got. Uh, there was also going to be a chef character named Cal in the pilot, but that kind of became Johnny Drama's role. Okay, interesting. I think that the tone of this show is so light. It, it seems like what I was alluding to before, where there's very little stakes. It almost seems to me like a comedy movie. You could have done this as as a one shot, like ninety minute film, if you wanted to. It's it's of the same vein and cadence as that. Especially a couple of the scenes we'll talk about in this first episode. It seems like they're taking out of you know, a, a popular mid-level, like mid-budget 2000s comedy. Yeah, no, it's like, and I'd rather not talk about the movie. I've never seen it myself. I actually think uh, the eighth season, or at least the finale of Entourage was pretty bad. So I was kind of already, uh, I'm like, I don't need to see the movie. I had this theory today, and I'll just get through it quickly, is, is that like, even though, like we said, this is the rise of HBO, or this is HBO coming into its own, but I think the people that are creating shows at this time are still thinking, uh, like we had to learn how to end shows. Like they're still they're they're thinking that these shows can go on until they're told not to. Like right. Sex in the City. Just I think canceled. even as good as Sopranos was, it uh, uh, like a plus throughout that went to season six, but Entourage went till season. Eight, when I think it could have easily been shorter because I don't remember anything happening in season six or stuff like that. It just like it definitely could have been shorter. Yeah, eight seasons seems like it's too much for this show. I, I like so I was saying before, it almost seems like not a lot is gonna happen when I'm watching this first episode. It seems all very light and episodic, and you know, you're telling me that eventually there are there are moments where there's more tension and the show does uh, sort of take off and have a little more of a, of a plot, but I can't really see this being stretched out for that long unless you really change the dynamic, which I don't really think the show would do that. So eight, eight seasons of these four guys doing whatever. Uh, I'm not sure if I could make it that long. Well, like I said, when they start not doing when, like when they start growing up, the show stops becoming some kind of fun. So it's like, oh, no, like it loses. There's to me the reason why I, I I will, I guess, in some way defend this show if it needs defending at least up until season four into maybe even a little into season five. The show has a charm to it. Like there's like there is something that makes you kind of want to watch more because if you if you are interested in the pilot there, I don't know, it's there is a La La Landish factor to it that i don't know it's and maybe there is a guy factor to it but it definitely is a time capsule of the 2000s yeah you know (laughs) i i was always curious about this show i didn't really know much about it now i have a better sense of it and it is definitely a a show that's a cultural touchstone in a way right it's it's, in a way yeah it's you know to have lasted eight seasons it had its fan base people there had to be some people who wanted to keep watching uh, and in terms of ending a show, too, it makes more sense for a drama to have more of a rounded-out ending. 
Uh, for a comedy, especially an episodic comedy, maybe you don't really need that. So I guess the show could go on. And do you need a movie to wrap things up? Probably not. Yeah, I I don't even care what happens in the movie. And that's saying it from like a like someone who actually, because they knew they you know because we were watching the pilot has watched a few more episodes just in the background. It's just nice to have on. Like I I this show is good up until when it isn't. Yeah, that's fair. But it sounds like it's maybe uh, a little over halfway, <laughs> and then you know that that's yeah. a, that's a good chunk of the show to have fallen off from. But uh, let's see at least from this first episode. And again, as a first-time viewer and you as a more experienced viewer, uh, we'll see how we can grade the show from this first impression. So it is July 18th, 2004. We're turning on HBO. And now, Keith, you can take us to the pilot. Flight 527, runway 8 kilo here, cleared for takeoff. So like most shows, we start with the opening credits and it's the, the theme song. This is the theme song that when you hear it, you hear Entourage you, or you think Entourage. It's uh, Superhero by Jane's Addiction and it has the boys driving around Hollywood, going to the club. But, the, you know, the all their names are on the store. I always marquee, think of that, right? They're all in the, the marquees. Yeah, they're, I always think of the Arrested Development joke, like we're going to the Ann Jeremy Piven Club. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I forgot. About uh, that one. It's in the fourth season, but it's one of the better jokes during all that. But it, uh, yeah, no, it kind of gives you that sense, like you know, it's a rock star lifestyle for a Hollywood actor. Right, right. It is very fast paced. They're going through the heart of Hollywood Boulevard there, and. They're just living the high life, right? Seems pretty nice. So uh, we open basically on like the first couple shots of the show are the one of the show's thesis. Beautiful, beautiful women. We see this yellow Hummer pull in and out pops one of our characters, Turtle. Uh, and, you know, he goes to the back. pull. Uh, Turtle is Vince's driver, one of his best friends since high school, but... He's his like driver assistant, and in the back is a uh, a poster for Vince's upcoming new movie, Head On. And you know he's walking to the uh, restaurant, and it seems like all the girls know him. He's flirting, he's on his game. Like everyone knows, just seems to know who these people are. He knows all of these women's names. Like the, this group is very much connected to the social pipeline here. I was trying to think where in L.A. this restaurant probably is because I, I don't know L.A. geography too well. I've only been to L.A. a few times for a couple days at a time. I imagine this is probably somewhere in like, I don't know uh, if it's in like Beverly Hills or West Hollywood or something. But one of these trendy downtown areas where there's lots of people getting brunch and very beautiful people wearing, uh, you know, very expensive clothes. So it's interesting to me that this guy, Turtle who to me seems like a bit of a, I don't want to say a tool, but a nicer word than tool, whatever it is. It, it, for him to like know all these women and for all them all to be like very friendly with him, I, I find that to be a little counterintuitive. Maybe it's because they all know that he's good friends with Vince, uh, you know, a much better looking guy. I, I'm not sure. 
But I, I, that's part of the fantasy, I think, in this show is like, here's like an average Joe, this guy from New York, a little bit of a brute, and all these women are very friendly to him and are open to flirting with him. With a nickname like Turtle, too. That's like a – like Not a great know. nickname. I don't think that's a very nice nickname. It's it's like, you know, Turtle. He's like a short guy. It's, I feel like that's a little bit of an insulting nickname. Oh, I, I always took it because of the hat. Like he's always, for the most part, wearing the hat and just like he's a short – he's a shorter guy. I, I, I think that's what they had to call the real – in the inspiration for turtle right and like again i don't want to be unkind like you know it, it, this is not a, a kind of guy that's my cup of tea i'll just say that uh anyway he meets up with his friends vin uh you know vinny's the big star he's his manager johnny's kind of a d-list actor at this point and but they're you know they're bros for life and uh you know shows him the poster he needs to sign and, like basically Turtle knows, like, if you sign this, then we get this for free. Like, I know a guy. Like, I, 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 he's, I know how to get you weed and all that. Like, it's, and, uh, you know, the first thing is like, oh, you know, that's, a, you know, they complain about the poster. It's like, oh, and they're, you know, bringing up these, like, you know, Warren Beatty sent back a poster because his package looks small. Right. They're making like very strange comments about this poster. Like, oh, they got your eyes wrong. Uh, it's black and white. Yeah, some of the, you know, some of the jokes are hit and some of them don't like yeah I just think, the characters could be really dumb right i think johnny drama right the older guy who's the aspiring but d-list actor i think he's shown kind of to be the most um unintelligent right he kind of says the dumbest things and then turtle also um i don't know like he he kind of makes these very uh he makes certain comments about like you know a person's junk looking good Right. He's kind of this guy that uh, is very surface level when it comes to like masculinity. And then E or Eric, you can tell, is probably the most mature one of them. Right. Like they're just all sitting down. And at least to the show's credit, you do get a good sense of their dynamic from the first scene. Well, you'll see over the course of the show. While E and Vincent, to another extent, are dealing with their side of life and, uh, you know, emotional relationships. Uh, turtle and drama are really kind of the comic relief they are the two they are uh like laurel and hardy what shenanigans are they going to get up to this week right tweedledee and tweedledum basically um but you can during the this whole entire conversation you learn a little bit you learn that vince's movie premiere for head on is tonight and they're kind of planning like you know i think turtle gave out all the invitations to all the beautiful women right right turtle uh, is definitely a hustler I get a sense oh, yeah. of he wants to get laid and his and he'll say like, oh, you know, I will use Vince to get laid. Yeah, I think he's at least transparent about it, but he's definitely using Vince for his own clout. Right. Because he doesn't bring much to the table himself. But this is definitely a connection here that he's using as much as he can. So, I mean, it's I, I'd like to think, I guess, that if one of my very best friends became a big Hollywood actor, that we would maintain our friendship. But I don't know if I'd go as far to, like, live in his house and constantly name drop him to, to get what I want. That's a little too much. But, again, that's the whole point. I'm sure the people show. have, though. That yeah, I, that happens. That I'm right. sure people that's, have. That uh, is part of Hollywood, right? People, like, name dropping and kind of leeching a little bit on more successful people. But another thing you find out that these are 
good boys from Queens. Like, uh, funny enough, only Turtle really has the accent. But uh, uh, it looks like the next day after the premiere is their 10-year reunion. And, uh, of course, you learn that drama is 10 years older. And it turns out that drama is Vinny's half-brother. Right. By, like, 10 years, right, they, they were joking that that Johnny Drama was the guy selling weed to uh, the other guys, his classmates, right? He's uh, the older guy who kind of just hung around. And uh, another interesting way they kind of remove that this fictional group from the real-life group that they're based off of, right? Because Mark Wahlberg, isn't he from New England? Isn't he a Boston guy? Yeah. Right? So still East Coast, but it's like, okay, in real life, this group is from New England, but in the show, we'll say they're from Queens, Similar enough, but enough removed as well that it they're their own characters. Also, maybe easier to do just a New York accent than a Boston accent, or just like yeah. if any of the characters have to do that. Um, but E, who is kind of the new guy, like as we'll find out, like E has only been there. He's the newest guy. He's only been there for fourteen months. Where it looks like Vin Vincent and Turtle went to live with drama, and then Vince kind of broke out. But E is broken up he was in a relationship with a girl named christian uh kristen and it looks like none of the guys liked her right this is kind of his main sticking point is his latest breakup and they, he's he seems to be like the least embracing of this bachelor life's in in hollywood right he's young he's in hollywood there are all these beautiful women around and yet he doesn't seem to be as gung-ho and having all different kinds of flings as the other guys are Yo, Vince, you need to sign this. Not now, Turtle. It's for Mary at Nike. You wanted to shut down our shoe supply? You better I better sign, sign it. <laughs> After lunch. Don't sign that, Vince. They screwed it up. They got your eye color wrong. It's black and white. They look brown to me. At least they didn't fuck up your package. Package? What are you talking about? The poster's a headshot. I'm just saying, shit happens. I heard Warren Beatty sent back 300,000 one sheets for having Kim wait. This is dick look too small in sweatpants. This guy's smart. Image. So right away, the next scene is them in the limo on the way to the premiere. And this is where you're also getting a sense of who Johnny Drama is. Johnny Drama is the kind of actor that if he was real, like we would actually come to appreciate him now because, oh, it's that guy. It's that guy who's been on everything. He's been on. It's a running gag for him to just name drop a show and like, oh, you know, when I was doing uh, you know, Hollywood Squares or like or oh, right. doing ba Baywatch for two episodes. Right. But, Minor characters on TV But he's never had there. that hit. He's never right. had that hit. And it looks like, you know, they get to the premiere. And this head on, it looks like just your date movie kind of thriller. It's uh, starring Vincent Chase and Jessica Alba, who will appear uh, sometime during this season. And... Uh, you know, let's go enjoy the red carpet. And Vincent is kind of like, he wants to, his success is everybody's success. Like, oh, take pictures with me and my brother. Yeah, and I think it's at least nice that he's willing to share his fame with his friends, right? He seems to be very encouraging of this dynamic. Like, yeah, I'm famous, but like, it's all of us. It's not just me. He's, he's very unbothered by, for example, Turtle being a, a guy who is, um, you know, latching on to him. You might not think a character like Vince, uh, he does, he's more than one note. I, I you know, this pilot, he's kind of just like hot actor, but he does develop some, like, you know, he's a little insecure. Uh, he's yeah. a, he could be, a, he could be love struck, uh, love struck. 
my impression um, of him is kind of a blase guy, maybe a little spoiled from being so young and so famous right away, right? I mean, if I was like, I don't know, 24, 25, and I lived in a mansion, I guess I'd be kind of aloof about these kind of things too. Uh, you know, while Turtle's like, oh, you know, look, at, he's talking to the girl from me. Look at her, look at her chest. He's on manager duty. He's like, you know, okay, how about let we get Vince get out of the elevator? It's his night. But also he makes a sentence like, make sure Allie's nowhere near Vince in the premiere. And you're like, well, okay. Allie, right? Like, we, like we'll find out who exactly that is. Skip the premiere. We go straight to the after party. And, you know, everyone's congratulating him. The movie actually seemed to turned out all right. I'm if if we had to review it, it looks like a sixty somewhere in the sixties on Rotten Tomatoes, that that kind of thriller. Right, like right. good, not great. Good, not great, but that don't, that don't matter for like a, that's a win. Um, but he is very manager. He kind of knows like, hey, you should go talk to the producer. He's the one with the gay son, not with the hot daughter. Like he's the one who financed the movie. Vince, like you will come to see that even though Vinny is the star, I always took it as he's the main character yeah i get a sense of that i think this is a common setup with a lot of stories where you have a focus more on the guy running the show but he's not really at the forefront right so whether that's like a, a show about like a king but you really are focusing on his right hand guy something to that effect and here is the same thing it's like the friend i, I do like this seeing him sort of directing vincent to like you know you should stay you know you should do this you should do that hang back and kind of you know survey and and look out for his friend vince and it makes sense you know vince is going to be kind of overly reliant that's how yeah, good oh, yeah that's how good that e eric is good at at his job he's he's very practical in how he manages situations but um that could be maybe a little too he's a little too good for for vince right uh, in terms of like Vince is like he he's gonna rely too much on E to for for decision making. I think so, and E is very green to this field, and and you even see a little bit of that in this first episode. But E, you know, of course, your only client's your best friend, and of course you want the best for him. But you you're so new to this environment of wolves, and we'll meet one of those wolves right now in the name of Ari Gold, probably the like. The main attraction, he's the one. I always, I forgot watching the show that there were catchphrases like you know, let's uh, you know, hug it out, bitch. I forgot that was a catchphrase that he says in the later episodes of this. That is such a guy thing to say. Hug it out, bitch. Let's hug it out, bitch. And, and you know, and, and the, I'm sure for the writers, he's an he's a fun character to write. At least if, like you know, he's on PC. He, uh, he yells. Yeah. You don't have it. it flagrant even though he's based on one particular hollywood agent i'm sure that he is he's enigmatic of that sort of agent persona as a whole right so um that's always an interesting sort of character too these these agents are very type a personalities they're all awful well and like if you have I to be his competition are all bad well <laughs> i feel like to be an agent in hollywood number one your job is your life right you're you're never not working and you have to be a very aggressive guy in terms of securing clients and negotiating on their behalf and rubbing elbows and making sure that you're staying well connected and there's a lot of ego involved right so uh it's as much of this 
Ari personality is maybe um, you know not the the easiest kind of person to get along with. It's still the kind of personality you need to have if you're going to be in that line of work. Exactly. And but the things that make this show interesting is like the the Game of Thronesness of the in- like you know there's a coup like you know how like he manages his enemies in this like there's people that come up like used to work for him that try to go at him and you know uh, like you said low stakes for everybody else but I guess in this industry it's just like oh you're trying to steal a client away from me that's it's very high stakes for this world yeah and things can get very ugly when a situation like that arises but you, we meet Ari and you know he's loud he makes fun of E. Um, but his mission right now is for Vince to read his next script, which is a movie called Matterhorn. Right. He's he's going to Eric for that, right? He's asking Eric, has Vince read the script yet? Why hasn't he read it yet? So it's like uh, interesting that Ari kind of has to go through Eric uh, instead of his client directly. It's like a point of contention. And uh, we get our first first ever celebrity cameo on Entourage, Ali Larder. Uh, another TV actress, I think she would be known. This is 2004, and I think Heroes uh, came out in like 2006, and that's what that's what how we got to know her. Well, I uh, got to know her legally from, blonde. Well, legally, legally blonde. blonde yeah. uh, actually, for me, it was Final Destination. She that's was. Right. I forgot she was in that, and I don't know. She she'd always been in a lot of movies here and there, like some that have become obscure since then. But yeah, a very recognizable face for sure. And. Uh, this is where I was kind of confused or at least like like she arrives and she's looking for Vince. And it just, you know, the it seems like I don't know if she's angry at him or obsessed with him. But it looks like there's something something happened because Vince has that pheromones that just makes all the girls go for him. And he's a good looking guy. He's a good looking guy. And it just it's just like, oh, where is he? And the guy's. Bros before hoes, which is a bi- another big thesis of this show. They're like, we're not going to tell you. Sorry, I don't know where he is. And she just like, f you, Eric, and then walks away. Yeah, I I had the impression that maybe there was a bad breakup, or he didn't yeah. he didn't call her back. Something to that effect. Something that he that he will admit to doing in a later episode. Oh, okay. I did have a feeling. Okay, like to be continued at another time. Yeah. Um. But turtles found some hot girls and. Uh, you know, we got an after after party, which is, you know, sex, weed and parties like it, we go back to their, you know, back to their mansion. It's a pool party. And there we get like, you know, he's living in the guest house. And, you know, the girl's like, oh, like, you know, he's still he's like, you remind me of my ex. He's still this girl. Kristen's still in his head. Yeah. yeah. Not for long, probably, because they go back to the guest house. Um I'm going to make one quick note about the scene with Johnny and his girl. That must have been a one and done because I thought it was poorly edited. It, and I, usually bad editing, like when bad editing is noticeable, it's noticeable. But when they're on the like the pool toy and they're spinning, it's just quick cuts of just – Yeah. I, don't know, I just noticed it and I had to make a note. I'm maybe sorry. Maybe <laughs> logistically they had a hard time filming that or something. But. I think they was like – one or two takes and they're done. We got to go on to something else because it really is just like, you know, I'm Vince's brother. It's quick, know, I, right? They just need to get that out. Quick. They're just trying to establish who he is exactly. But, and you, you're the uh, one who pointed out to me a long time ago, you don't notice good editing, but you notice bad editing. Exactly. And uh, 
the thing that I would say, like, you know, you have what, the, everything that you were saying about Turtle in the opening scene, it's kind of like you kind of see him in like a sadder, like he kind of is a sad puppy. Just like, oh, please, like, like hey, you're with me. Like, I am I that bad? Like, Vince is already gone. He's with your best friend and sister. Like, he's kind of really begging for sex. Well, yeah, because that girl that he's talking to, she's interested in Vince, right? Like, she's asking, where did Vince go? And Turtle has to be like, well, it, he's with someone else, but how about me, right? It's, it's a little sad, but again, like, that's him using his friend's clout to get what he wants. And, you know, like like you said, this sort of thing happens all the time, but it's, it's the kind of thing that this sort of personality would do. If anyone ever wants to write about, like, this show and masculinity – it is kind of like how guys will act with one another. Like, yeah, I got with this one girl. Like, she was like, oh, you can't believe it. And then the reality is like, please, please, like, come on. Like, Vince is gone. Please have sex with me. Yeah, I mean, certainly the show can uh, portray certain types of problematic masculinity, I'm sure. But it's, I don't think it's a show that's, like, critical of that kind of thing. I think it's, it's – No, no. It, it, it does so, it, it does so. I think, accidentally. Right, that's it's it's like these are the characters, and you're just supposed to have fun with them. But you know, if it, it they're more meant to be guys you root for in a way or have fun with. You're not really supposed to be judging them or or seeing them as like a representation of some sort of problematic archetype. I'm not really judging. I think that's just how like you know we I've had uh, you know I'm not saying that's how all guys talk, but that's how like you know when boys are together and they're. I don't really want to go down this rabbit hole, but like it's just girls have their conversations together, and so do guys. I'll say that. Like, okay, that's... fair enough. But the next morning, uh, you know, they all kind of meet in the kitchen, and it like uh, Turtle is their driver and the assistant. Johnny's their cook. That's how. That's how kind of he he pays the rent or doesn't. And you know, E has to read the. You know, he has to get Vince to read the script. Um, and he tells Vincent and Vincent's like, Hey, I'll do it. Did you like it? And no, it looks like the script for Matterhorn is not good. Yeah. We'll find out later what this movie is about kind of, but yeah, that's a kind of a big thing here. Eric read the script. He's the most, he's more responsible than Vince. Who's too lazy to read a script. You know, you would, I, and that's why I'm getting a sense. This guy has been successful for a little while where he doesn't feel the need to take initiative and you would think if you're trying to make it as an actor you'd be a little more diligent but if if you've already gotten to a certain level you might think yeah like what's the big deal well that's what vincent is like i didn't even read the script for head on i found out the mystery as i was watching the premiere right and that's totally something that happens too right like actors won't really know the full story of the movie they're in but they should you should read the whole script but that's probably a very common thing where an actor will only really look at the scenes they're in and find out the rest at the premiere. But they have a meeting with the French director on the Warner Brothers lot, and it's it's not rude to cancel, or it's rude to cancel last minute, and, you know, they decide to go. And I think the reason for this is, like, it's a, just another chan uh, chance to explore, like, you know, they're on the Hollywood back lot. Yeah, they're going and, to the Warner Brothers lot. You know, it's an exciting thing to see if you're not from this world. And as they're driving there, the uh, Turtle got another connection they're getting a guard dog right yeah he's he's very pumped about this it seems like he's always hustling for something right he's, he's always trying to connect vince with something else and a guard dog that's uh 
I guess we'll see that play out later for a bigger comedic set piece. And you'll uh, also see that Johnny doesn't matter what Vince is in. It will always ask, like, is there a part for me? Like, is I, there I like I like that bit right? he's going to be always uh, his way of reaching on to Vince is Vince will get a big part and he'll be like, get something for me. Give me like a bit part. It's funny. Johnny's friends in this are like the actors like uh, like Ralph Mac- Macchio, like actors who have been around that aren't as famous anymore. And of course, this is years before Cobra Kai. But like, you know, those like C plus lists are at the time like Pauly Shore, like just Johnny has the veteranness, I guess, to it. He's the veteran of the group. Oh, that's funny. I did read that, like, Pauly Shore plays himself at one point. That's kind of funny. You know, they get to the Warner's lot, and you kind of get a little bit of history. Like, you know, uh, like I said before, Johnny and, Turtle, Johnny and Turtle moved out to live with uh, – no, sorry. Turtle and Vince moved out to live with Johnny, who was coming off – like, I guess he did a good arc on Melrose Place because he still had Melrose money. You find out that, it, that him and Vince are half-brothers. And E came – yeah, he was managing a uh, – as he would say, he was the manager of an Italian restaurant. But guess who walks by? And, of course, it's appropriate. It's Mark Wahlberg and their counterparts. Right, right. It's kind of a meta moment, the line between fiction and reality getting blurred a little bit here. So that's a, a little wink to the camera there, right? And Mark Wahlberg is a producer on the show too, which, like, you know, I don't know how involved that entails, but – He'll pop up. Like, there's a – episode where they go golfing like charity golfing but uh him and tom brady oh okay see that's funny they get athletes that's a good episode okay okay oh they get it that sounds about martin right scorsese they get martin scorsese james oh, wow. cameron like it's it, it and it, it this was like a big like zeitgeist kind of show like i remember like reading in like weed magazines like this was like a prominent weed show too and oh okay i can too. i can see again with all the antics they're doing like we'll see later Someone's watching this and you're kind of stoned. I'm sure it enhances the experience. Uh, but to get like an athlete like Tom Brady, that also kind of tracks. You're once again, you're appealing to the male demographic. So get some big athletes in there too, and people will. Oh, uh, athletes galore. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, athletes galore. Big part of that. Look, all right, Vince will be a star no matter what. It was predestined, all right? The kid's a triple threat. He's got the look, he's got the talent, he's got the head. The what? The head. The big head? You guys telling me you don't know this? The bigger the head, the bigger the star. <laughs> You're such an idiot. Bruce Willis, big head. Russell Crowe, big head. Arnold Schwarzenegger, big head. Vincent Chase, big, big head. How's my head? Not so big, but your ears are huge, if that helps you out at all. So, you know. We go from Warner Brothers back to home, and it looks, you know, they're not sure about the meeting. Like, Vince is just like, I like, I don't know. I don't think he liked me. Of course, you got that Ari Gold calling, and the director loved Vince. Like, this is my guy. Like, and, all you know, Vince is a charming guy, and they want to give him $4 million. And, of course, he says a line that's not PC, but that is the the line that we get to know Ari Gold. He's a heat. Well, that's uh, also— that's Quick also uh, on brand, I think, with Jeremy Piven, right? If I have to think back to some of his other roles, like in old school, right? He's um, He can be a very aggressive and insulting character actor, right? He, he plays these kind of parts where he'll be very crude and curt with people. And uh, he has that energy, I guess. It's, you know, it, it's fitting for this 
time period for that sort of brand of comedy where you can be a little mean and that'll attract at least as a uh, supporting character in something. And you kind of get away with it because like, oh, this character is supposed to be an asshole. Right, right. It's like you're he he's like the satirical element of the show representing the toxic parts of Hollywood. You know, four million is not nothing to shy away from. What should Vince do? Read the script. Um, so as the boys are golfing on their roof and they don't mind hitting Ed Begley's or Pierce Brosnan's houses, like, you know, it, you can kind of see, this is the scene where I even wrote, like, this is where you see that they're codependent moochers. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're, I mean, first of all, to hit golf balls onto other actors' houses, like, you know, with, that's kind of funny. They're just throwing out random names. And Frat that's, boys. Right, right. It's a very fratty thing to do. And that's also kind of funny. You don't need necessarily to have a ton of um, actors appear on the show. You can just mention them. Like, is Pierce Brosnan ever going to appear on Entourage? I don't think so. But you can just mention him because he's part of, he's a big Hollywood name at the time. And, you know, it, hey, that's Pierce Brosnan's roof. No, not that one. It's it's that's Ed Begley's house. Like and, they, you know, they made that. Egg, I don't want Ed Begley coming up in an electric car because Ed Begley Jr. is very environmental friendly. Like, you know, it's 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 that in joke, too. Like it's a uh, there's a lot of quick like references. Hollywood inside jokes. Um, but Turtle Turtle knows Vince is going to be a star, whatever he does, because of his big big head theory. Like, if an actor has a big head, which is, I think, kind of true. Like, George Clooney, uh, Kurt Russell, like, they have big heads. Well, and, you know, I, he, it's good for action stars. So he mentions Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, um, you know, Stallone. Yes, those guys have big heads because they also have big bodies. Like, they're muscular guys. So uh, that theory can kind of track if you're a little selective with your examples. I've heard it before. I just can't say when. And it's not Entourage. Uh, but Vince comes out, and he's having a hard time reading the script. He can't get through it. And maybe, like, he's, like, he's dragging through it. Like, he, he asks the guys, like, can I play a cop? And this is where we kind of get one of the, you know, like I said before, one of the running gags. I was like, you know, I played a cop on Blue once. What? And I, NYPD Blue? No, Pacific Blue. Although I was also on NYPD Blue for a couple episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dra- uh, Johnny Drama. Dra- yeah, Johnny. Is, he's, always gonna, he's always going to bring up, right, his, his, um, his career, right? He's always going to bring up all these parts he was on as obscure as they are. Like Pacific Blue. Like, what is that? It's an early. I had to look it up. It's like an early 90s cop show. Okay. Okay. I was like, hmm, is that a real show or did they make that up? Right. It could work either way. It's for that like one blue joke, just for that like you know miscommunication. Like, no, you idiot, Pacific blue, wrong blue. But I, I do get a kick out of this too, Vince. I guess because he's so used to just living this carefree lifestyle, just hanging out around the house all the time. He can't do the little, the the smallest bit of work, which is to just read a script. How hard is that? He can't even concentrate long enough to read a script so uh i i buy that i think that tracks that's true but if the script is bad like that could be tough to get through but you're right like uh and he can't even he... make the call himself he doesn't even know oh, if yeah. the script is reading is good or bad he doesn't know how to differentiate between a good story or a bad story that's where that's where like the uh i'm a star aspect comes in but he asks e it's like what do you think and he's like Look, if they're willing to pay you four million for this, they'll they'll definitely pay you four million for something that you love. And around that, oh, Ari, you know, good timing. He calls, 
and of course like Vincent doesn't want to talk to him so he throws the phone to uh, throws the phone to E and it you know Arlie Ari really wants him to do Matterhorn and it seems like this is the next step in Vince's career and E tells him not and he's like you know what why don't you and I go out to dinner E really kind of think about Vince's career together yeah that that'll be um you could tell Ari's getting a little irritated with this arrangement, right? He's, he's calling his client. He gets his client's friend. So uh, we'll see that boil over in the next scene. But before that happens, the doorbell rings, and they got their new guard dog, Arnold. And he's this big brute. Yeah, it's a Rottweiler, right? Yes. And, you know, this is where – this is the fun of the show. Boys – doing guy th- boys things and uh you know they dress turtle up and also he has to be like hey you want to go to that party at the playboy mansion right well dress up in hockey gear and let's test this dog out baby yeah right they unleash this dog on him and it's this big comedic set piece and that's why i'm saying this is the scene that reminds me most of a, a comedic movie of the time like something like uh dude where's my car or something you have these comedic set pieces and one of the guys is going to be getting uh, the the tail end, uh, pun intended, uh, of some physical humor, right? Getting torn up by this dog, getting a bit of pain here at his own expense. So, you know, it's it's like I think part of the turtle character's appeal, too, is he maybe can be subject to these kind of things, right? He can take a little bit of abuse because he kind of seems to have this tougher exterior. So I wouldn't be surprised if, he, if he's the constant recipient of the, the physical humor. That yeah, uh, Turtle and drama are the butt of the jokes. Not only are they like the comedic, like, what are they doing this week? But they're the butt of the jokes, usually. Like, even when they're going after each other. Um, so Ari meets with E at a sushi restaurant, a uh, Japanese restaurant. And, you know, they're talking, like, who cares if it, who cares if you don't understand the movie? I didn't understand Lost in Translation. Yeah, I, I, Ari kind of insults that movie. He's like, "Oh yeah, me and my wife when we went to like Hokkaido and we met with Sophia, right?" He talks about it casually, where you could miss it easily. But it's like, wait, what are they talking about? Oh, they're talking about Lost in Translation that had come out that year, right, or the year before? That was two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah, and uh, he's disparaging of it. I thought that was funny. Like, oh yeah, like. It's the the real place is even more boring than the movie, which, you know, I like that movie, but okay, <laughs> this guy doesn't have the patience for a movie like that. It adds to the satire of like, hey, what's the check? Like, it, don't, it doesn't matter the movie. What, it, how big is the check for my actor? Right. This guy's all business. He's not as concerned yeah. with the artistry. Yeah. But uh, he makes a note, like they're talking about relationships and, you know, you know, he brings up Kristen again. But, you know, Ari brags about who he's having sex with. And it's some play uh, uh, someone from the swimsuit edition. And I did have to make a note as someone who has watched this show, I did have to like make a note saying, I think he's making it up. I think he's just using it as a bragging point. Oh, uh, he could be. be. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I think he is because think... he is very loyal to his wife. He never like oh, when okay. his wife, when his wife who played his wife in old school or no, no, no. She played Will Ferrell's wife in old school. Which I found uh, Perry Reeves. She becomes a full-on cast member as the show grows. But and they, you know, they. I'm not gonna say it's an always easy relationship, but there's never hints of him. He like he has had relationships with people in the past before he met his wife. But when he meets his wife, I've never known of them like 
cheating. Like that's never been a plot point. That's interesting. And I could be wrong, but I think he's just being what I I went to an all guy school. I've heard this kind of brag without happening without the evidence ever appearing before. Right. It's all talk and that's yeah. kind of surprising. He seems to me if he's going to embody that archetype of the Hollywood agent that he would be a guy who maybe cheats on his wife and you know sleeps around and stuff like that for his own ego and uh, just for bragging rights, but I guess it's just as easy to just say you did those things without actually having to do that. So it's a little counterintuitive and maybe like a surprising good quality to this character, I guess, that he is faithful to his wife. He's a good father, or at least he try. I'm not saying he's like perfect, but I think he it does present him as a family man. But I will also chalk this up to one, it being complete accidental, like my interpretation of it, but also, uh, Pilot jitters, I think we, we should call it. Just like something that needs to be uh, like how, what they thought the character would be and what he evolved into being. Because I didn't mention it before, but when they're talking about the director, they're meeting with the French director. He's like, oh, this guy didn't even see my past two films. Vince never brings up any of This is his like first major film. Like if you were to go to... I think even Vincent Chase has a Wikipedia. He really goes from like a Mentos commercial to maybe something else and to head on. And then his, you know, the career in the show. So I just like, I think it's just like, oh, this guy's an established actor, but they never in the show bring up other films that he's done. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Because you're totally right. My impression from this first episode is that he's had at least a few other big movies before this that he's at least established enough to feel like he doesn't have to read a script, he can pass on a movie, etc. But you're right, that is probably just uh, growing pains when you're doing a pilot, certain qualities. That's of... what I'm attributing it to. Right, no, that I think that is probably right. And same thing with this Ari character, where initially he was going to be more the stereotypical agent, sleeps around, but then they decide, no, I actually... Let's have him be faithful to his wife, something they decided later on. So, you know, that is part of the process. So the conversation continues. And, of course, you know, Ari wants Vince to do Matterhorn. He didn't like it, and it's not good for Vince. And Ari, once it, it, it kind of becomes a dick-swinging competition where it's like Ari's kind of like, hey, you know, I, oh, you know, you read the Times. Did you read this where you, you have no idea what the hell you're doing? Like you, he's kind of one upping him. Like you are the sheep in a world of wolves, well, kind I, of, I, and it, it's kind of accidental. But like you are so green to this world. I kind of believe Ari's argument here. I think he makes a good argument where he says, "Listen, like what is your experience?" And Eric's like, "Well, I managed an Italian restaurant, right? You Sabaros. He was right. a night manager at Sabaros. It turned out to be a Sabaros, but I'm saying like resume, in this, yeah, in resume this <laughs> argument here." when Eric claims he, he inflates the very little experience he has, you know, Ari makes a point like, listen, if I want to get into the restaurant business, then I'll work with you. But for now, you don't know what you're talking about. I've been in this business for years, so I know what I'm doing. And he makes an interesting point too. Like, you know, a bomb won't necessarily kill your career, but passing on a hit could kill your career. So I find that interesting too. I, I do think a lot of the industry there, from what I understand, is relationships. And if you pass on something, if you possibly burn a bridge, then, yeah, that could really put a big dent in your chance of getting another opportunity. So I, I kind of am 
I, I would take Ari's word over Eric when it comes to the advice that Vince should take in this situation. And that that you basically kind of summed up the best parts of this show. It becomes a back and forth one between Ari's advice and E's advice, and you you can agree with either at either point, but also the relationships because you will see like you cannot do this because I hate you. <laughs> like right. I will I will prevent you from even doing this or out of spite or uh like it's it, the relation the hollywood aspect and the the inner circle of it is one of the most interesting things about this show but there's also it was like uh you know Ari thinks he knows what's best for Vince but E E does not like be feeling small for lack of a better term he does not like being belittled and he's like you didn't even know about Vince until 2 years until you signed him like until he, like he had to convince you right and he will throw it back to you. He, he will throw it back to anybody. Um, he mentions, like, you know, Ari, you weren't taking Vince's calls a couple years ago. And I, I do think this is probably the, the scene that interested me the most. And the aspect of the show that I'm most interested in as well is this sort of tug of war between the agent and the best friend. And Vince being in the middle and having to make that judgment call like who should i trust more the more experienced hollywood person that might not actually have my best interests in mind or my best friend who does look out for me but he doesn't know as much about how the industry works right like that's a tough call to make yeah and uh you know I, i'm sure someone could wikipedia v vinnie chase but he's had a very interesting career where you see that mm -hmm. where you see the back and forth and uh it just makes for uh, an interesting career for him. Eric, I know you mean well. You're Vince's friend and you want to protect him against making a bomb. Bombs are bad, they kill your career, right? Wrong, you know what kills your career? Passing on a hit. All right, don't blame me if you can't get your client to do what you want him to do. <laughs> I resent this. I don't have dinner with people like you. I don't do it. I don't do this. Do you think Hugh Jackman calls me up and goes, hey, all right, listen, love the script, but I gotta run it past my pizza boy. I've been doing this for 15 years, okay? What the hell do you know? Come on! He's tired. He's, you know, the scene cuts to him uh, sleeping on the couch. And, of course, you know, uh, Turtle and Drama kind of just, like, scare him out. And, you know, they make some, oh, he's looking up. He's looking at uh, lady golfers. But the boys are going to Vegas, or they want to go to Vegas. And, uh, you know, we'll go to Vegas We'll go to the reunion from Vegas. Just come with us. And E is so exhausted until they're like, look, we just want to get you. We heard Kristen's with Vince Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. This is interesting. They mention Vince Vaughn and they say like, oh, yeah, and he, he's looking a lot better. He's looking more like swingers Vince Vaughn, not like old school Vince Vaughn. And more I like new school Vince Vaughn. I just wanted to bring up the mention of old school because Jeremy Piven. Yeah is in that movie. So this is a world that exists where the movie Old School exists, which has Jeremy Piven, but Jeremy Piven also plays the agent Ari. You know what I mean? It's like... Ain't that something. That's like a little <laughs> wink at the camera. It's like a little bit of um, just a meta moment for anyone who can make that connection. But I'm like, hmm, I wonder if any of these guys watched that movie and thought, wow, uh, Vince's agent looks just like that actor from Old School. But, you know, as uh, 
whatever their intentions are, it really just ends up being a cruel prank, and he is able to see right through drama. And, you know, that kind of maybe plays to drama's quote-unquote acting skills. But Right, he's like, you you're know, not a good it, actor, drama. Yeah, and it seems like they are trying to get him out of his funk. Like, like I hate bros for four hoes is like a big thing of this uh, show. Like, don't get a girlfriend out here. We told you not to get a girlfriend. We just want to, you know, bring girls back to the to the mansion. Well, even before, like in the earlier scene in the restaurant when they're trying to cheer E up about his breakup, and they're like, "Come on, she was just a bitch," and they convince him to say that, like, "Yeah, you're right," and they cheers. It's like they're very disparaging when it comes to any sort of serious relationship, right? They are very much just wanting to have meaningless flings. And it, it is um, a very, like, young man's way of handling those sort of issues. It's not, like I think they said Eric is 28. So, like, yeah, you're in your – outside of drama, you're in your late 20s. Like, it, that's how they're acting. Um, but Vince comes out and kind of pulls E aside and goes, like – I what am I hearing that you just threaten Ari? It's like, you can't go around threatening people in Hollywood. He like, like what you do reflects on me and that could damage my career. And, and this is where Vincent's right. Like even like, even though Ari and they all know it, Ari is a jackass. Um, but it seems like there is that best friend. Like I can say this to you because we are best friends and you are looking out for me seriously. And as they kind of, sit down to smoke a bong uh you know vincent just plainly asked like should i do the movie no and vincent kind of trusts like all right i won't do it and he doesn't really feel like he he wants to go to vegas either even though the guys uh want to but uh and he's like you know we might pass on this reunion and he is like no i want to go to the reunion and i can totally understand it's like i want to go to the reunion because i'm not a night manager at Shabaro's anymore. I am Vincent Chase's manager. And even it'd be better if you're not even there because I would be like, it's not that I would be the star, but you would be the, the gravitational pull. Yeah. That's interesting that he, he wants to go to this reunion because he can have something to show for himself, which is being Vince's manager, but he doesn't want Vince himself to be there either. Right. It's like, you can't have it both ways, but then, um, the other thing, too, this scene is really showing how wishy-washy Vince is, which is why I don't think this character makes a good first impression. He even jokes himself that he can't make a decision, right? Like when Eric, yeah. when E is telling him, can you make a decision for yourself? And he says, I, I can't decide. You decide if I should make a decision for myself. Like it At least he's self-aware about that. But at the same time, yeah, he's just kind of going with the flow. Yeah, will he go to Vegas? Will he go to the reunion? He's letting everyone decide things for him. So I'd be interested in seeing how this character gets more fleshed out if I w were to continue with this. He surprisingly does. It's not like a full, like, grandstand, like, you know, it's not Tony Soprano, but I, and not to even compare it, but you do see some, you know, part of that onion peel layers off. Like, you know, he's like, once again, there's some insecurities, but you also, you could, like, he does want to be a good actor. Like, there is a sense of, like, I want to do, I want, like, he's a fan of movies. He's like, oh, how, like, there are lines. He's like, oh, we used to see, see Terminator, like, a hundred times in the theaters. I want to be in something important. Like, there is that sense of what he wants out of all this. But, uh, 
yeah, no, this first episode, I was even in the first season, it really is just kind of like the other characters are way more interesting, but they're all living in a shadow. Yeah. And it, to me, it almost seems like Vince is taking his success for granted. What whatever success he does have at this a point. little bit, a little bit. But uh, we kind of arrive at the last scene and, you know, they're all leaving for the reunion. And he takes this moment. He pulls a power move at Turtle. He's like, OK, Turtle, go. Uh, we need these headphones for the airplane. Get them now. And he's like yelling. It's like, don't you don't you even look at me like go now. And Turtle's like. Uh, all right, fine. And as we find out, as the Hummer leaves, there is a uh, "I love cock" bumper sticker on the thing, even making the the guys who do the lawn laugh. And uh, that is E's like silent revenge against Turtle. And he's you know, don't laugh, drama. I got like I got you coming next. Yeah, that's uh, that's the other thing too. I can tell with this show, with this kind of broy culture is. A lot of the jabbing is going to be sort of from like um maybe like from like a gay bashing sort of way, you know. It's like yeah. oh, like you know, they they make each other look like they're gay or to joke about that kind of thing. It's you know, this is the mid two thousands, and that was the kind of jokes that were made for this sort of genre of comedy. Yeah. And the show will try to have its cake and eat it too in the second season. Ari gets a new assistant named Lloyd, um, played by the great Rex Lee, and he's very like he is gay, and it really kind of becomes like, oh, I can make these jokes, but you're also a very good character, and it kind of like sometimes it works because Lloyd is a great character, and sometimes yeah, it does feel a little bit like two thousands gay bashing. Sometimes it just like leave it in the time capsule. Yeah, yeah, and who knows? I mean. On the surface, adding a gay character is almost like their way of giving themselves a license to make gay jokes. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Like, do they genuinely want to represent or do they just want a shield for that sort of content? Um, you had Debbie Mazar, uh, who plays um, Vincent's publicist uh, in the early seasons. Like, she gets her name on the marquee in the, um, around, like, season two and three. She plays Shauna, Vincent's, like... I really great republic uh, publicist and she came out I read an interview a while ago that she was like oh you know it was a very guy heavy set little misogyny it was very you can yeah. you, and you can kind of sense that like she was the only girl really outside like at least for you know a part of the entourage she's the only girl right um, I mean for her to come she later was a professional on. she was a professional throughout the whole show and oh for sure uh, I think she ended up like leaving or maybe doing sporadic appearances but i mean for to, to add a an actress to the main cast and to put you know uh a, to, you know, to be part of like the main credits and so forth that almost seems like an order from the network like you know what like this is getting a little too male heavy like let's get a little balance in here with uh with some female presence yeah, and uh, I think Debbie Mazar was kind of the first, but like I said, Perry Reeves, who plays Ari Gold's wife, uh, becomes really kind of prominent throughout the show, as does Emmanuel Chikiri, um, who we remember from, like, Snow Day. She plays an on-and-off girlfriend of E. Like, that is the like that is their main thing. Even though E kind of, you know, he's out there looking for love. He's a kind of hopeless romantic. He actually has, like, a really good... They become, like, a good 
pairing. Okay. But uh, Ari calls, and Col- don't even bother. Colin Farrell's got Matterhorn. And right well, before the cre- – oh. Yeah, the, the other thing, though, Ari is immediately mad because Eric's the one who answers the phone, right? Vince gives oh, the phone yeah. to E to answer. and I want to talk to Vince. Yeah, right. Ari's like, I want to talk to Vince. And he's like, nope, you're talking to me. So uh, that that tension is going to keep building there. So at least there's something. There's some tension and some stakes here. It's not just guys hanging out and doing whatever, although that seems to be the bulk of it. Well, Ari lets his frustrations known as he hangs up. Like, fuck you. Like, it's kind of very like this. Yeah, you're right. There is some stakes that lines have been drawn. And uh, Vince kind of ends it perfectly. Like, I hope you know what you're doing, pizza boy. Yeah, that's a good way to end it. Actually, I think that is a good ending line because it just reinforces that these guys are still fairly new to the scene, even if they do know every girl's name on, you know, and, and the trendy restaurants and so forth. Uh, they they don't know as much as they think they do. Hey, Ari. I'd like to talk to Vince. Yeah, he'd like you to talk to me. Okay, player, tell him Colin Farrell took Matterhorn. Fuck you! What do you say? Colin Farrell's doing matter on. He's good. I hope you know what you're doing, pizza boy. So, yep, there you have it. That is the Entourage pilot. I personally don't know if I will continue watching this, although I think in its favor, if it's it seems like a very light watch, something like you said, maybe to have on in the background. Seems like these episodes probably go by very quickly. And yeah, I I've always though had the impression that the show has its fans and its detractors. And I don't want to say I'm for sure a detractor based on just the one episode, but I, I can see why there'd be people kind of poking fun at the show. And also I find it to be interesting that this is a show HBO is coming out with following all these like high prestige programs that had, uh, you know, from the years prior, like we've been talking about a lot of very ambitious and groundbreaking dramas. And even the comedies we brought up were doing something different. And here you have a show that isn't trying to break any ground or break the mold. It really is a show that's content to just appeal to a very specific demographic and, you know, be an easy watch. And, you know, is that something that HBO felt like they were missing maybe? You know, like something a little lighter to even out from all the more intense programs that they had been airing? I, I'm, I'm curious to, to see what the strategy was and what they, how they thought that this show f- fell into their, their lineup of, of other programs. I think think if I had to put my head inside an HBO exec at the time, there is like, okay, Mark Wahlberg and Doug Allen are coming to you with a show that's like loosely based on Mark Wahlberg's life. So it's like, I don't really see a show about Hollywood or someone in Hollywood. And I think where it, it, it doesn't, it's not trying to break ground on anything, but it does the HBO of it comes from like the sex the drugs and i mean this in the funnest of ways the sex the drugs the rock and roll lifestyle cursing probably a lot of vulgarity especially from the the ari character yeah the situations like uh 
I would say like that kind of like the opposite or even like I'm, I'm sure the Venn diagram of Sex in the City and Entourage, uh, the sexual situations, I should say, like, uh, you know, threesomes, uh, like all that, the guy fantasies, but also like how can we make it a little bit comedic? Yeah. Um, but I also the access. It's like, oh, I don't think I can't see all these actors doing a show for like NBC at the time where I think like a, a plot based around a James Cameron movie where James Cameron does have to pop up at least three or four times. That's HBO. We also have the money to give him that. And like there is that uh, it's prestige in a way, I guess, because I get, because you're talking about Hollywood. But I, I'm neither I'm a. A loose fan. I remember I told him, I talked to a coworker. He's like, "What are you recording today?" And he was, I'm like, "Oh, Entourage." And he's like, "You know, they all kind of feel that same. Like at its highs, it's a fun show, and then you know, at when the characters start growing up is kind of when it loses it a little bit, or not even a little bit, a lot." Um, but yeah, that's unfortunate because that's my, that's my whole theory about it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I guess if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But at the same time. You'd like to see a show where if the characters are growing, they could still make it work because you want to ironically see, you want to see the characters have some sort of arc. Right. I mean, maybe they can just be in one place. I'm trying to think if there's a show where the dynamic always stayed the same and they managed to maintain that for several seasons and it's still working the whole time. It's hard to say. But, you know, I, I, I might give this another episode or two out of pure curiosity but um you know i think of all the hbo pilots we've watched i it's tough to say this is the weakest because it's doing something else it's it's not it's the least ambitious pilot so am i should i penalize it for that i i don't know it's just um it's just surprising for you know to, to see in the repertoire of hbo up to this point something that's so 180 right everything else has been something that you haven't seen before on TV. And here you're getting something that maybe you don't see on TV, but you've seen a lot of films. It's definitely, there's something very familiar about it still. I do agree. I Like for a pilot, um, and we're just talking about pilots here, it is probably the weakest. And I I, I wouldn't be surprised if critics felt the same. Um, like there is something to enjoy and it is like this first step in something. Um that's I if you're entranced by if you're charmed by any of this I would say I would just say go till like season five yeah I, I wouldn't be go surprised to, to don't be even fair. bother with the finale don't even bother with yeah. the finale because I will say it's like if you were to list like one of the worst finales I was kind of shocked how bad it was ouch I mean I I, I think to be fair if I were to watch this for the duration that you're suggesting, I probably will have some laughs, right? I, I probably will have some moments where I am genuinely enjoying the show. Maybe I will warm up to it in a way I don't expect. And like I said, I, I am intrigued in the one dynamic between the best friend and the agent. So I would keep an eye out for that in particular. There's a, and the third season, it, I guess it, it had to be so successful at the time because I, like uh, once again, Jeremy Piven, Walked away with a few Emmys, but season three, I think they were at their top because they split it into two. I noticed that, which is also interesting. I saw most of the seasons have 
eight to 12 episodes, but there was one particular season that they had 20 episodes and they split that into like an A and B. And that was a bit, and like those episodes are like when, uh, okay, just a little, Vince becomes Aquaman. I, I had Vince heard get, something about that. I, I yes. researched, I'm like, that comes and up at one point. There are some really good, fun TV that, uh, but yeah, I, like I can't even tell you what happened in season six because I don't think anything of uh, consequence really happened in season six. And of course, I do. Like they try to give Vince a drug addiction. Uh, like oh. once again, the cat, the, the thing in like it starts to go into like oh we have to do something because we're still going. Right, right. Um, like you, you have to keep thinking of something and to tackle a drug addiction. Does the show have the legs for that? I, I wouldn't trust it really. To tackle that sort of subject, and Vince isn't like that interesting. Like he's has right. interesting aspects, but I would like season five because I do think season five feels like you can allow it to feel like a finale. Okay, fair enough. We'll see. I'll let you know if that is a a flight that I will get on. If uh, you can take it at a later date, I won't yeah, judge. There's no rush on that one for sure. Uh, but we'll see. So we're going to keep continuing here with HBO. And we're going to be going back to the side of dramas. And we're going further into the 2000s. You know, it's uh, we, we started the first pilot, Sex and the City, was 98. And the next pilot we'll be discussing is in 2006. So it's interesting to see, you know, just the progression yeah, there through the years. Kind of curious. Uh, so the next one we're going to be discussing is Big Love. Never, never, I don't, I know, like, the general premise, never watched it. Same, same. I'm, I'm excited. We'll be discussing that. with actors that I love. Exactly. I think this might be the first time we're discussing a show that we're both new to. So that will be uh, next week. So we'll catch you then at the next pilot. Follow us on Instagram and X, formerly Twitter, at Take Us to the Pilot. That's Take Us to the Pilot with the number two. Attention passengers, we've now reached our destination. We hope you enjoyed the flight and have a nice day.